Hi guys, Rob here, podcast editor for EveryMind. Welcome to a special episode with Sharon MacArthur, founder of Miss Menopause. If you're a guy and you're thinking of switching off, trust me, don't. This information is so valuable to help you better understand the women in your life. Your significant other, your mum, your co-workers, the list goes on. Plus, Sharon gives us a fun 60-second game that we can all play. If you like these episodes, don't forget to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes. It really does help. Enjoy the show. So Sharon, welcome to the Every Mind podcast. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying the sun because I'm, I'm in uh, sunny, new, uh, the northeast of England. The sun doesn't shine very often. So when it does, I'm taking full advantage. Nice. So um, we've just been speaking a little bit off record about my awkwardness for this, this interview <laughs> is about to come, right? But we're going to be talking about the menopause. And yeah. um, definitely, you know, a lot of the clients that we've worked with, we've seen a massive need for for people to to talk about it and, and the need for it. And I just kind of want to come back to maybe your own personal journey of, mm-hmm. of how did you get to where you are today to, to, you know, raising awareness around menopause and doing the workshops that you do? Yeah, well, like we're, we're chatting kind of off air and I said, if you'd said to me three years ago, I would have gotten passionately involved with the menopause, I would have said, I don't know what you're talking about. That's got nothing to do with me at all. Um, but I guess Miss Menopause exists because of my own experience um so at the age of 47 i like to call it my magic menopause magic because i'm trying to make light of it um and i was incredibly ignorant about the subject so my previous incarnations i've been a senior leader in a FTSE 100 company i've been accountable for millions of pounds worth of revenue and i was at the point that my menopause happened to me um i was running a successful business my own business and that was all good so at the age of 47, I started to have some weird micro symptoms, which I'll, I'll go back to. And somebody dared to say it to me, Paul, I think you could be going through the menopause. And I was absolutely gobsmacked, astonished. And I couldn't believe somebody had dared to say that I would go through the menopause. So, of course, intellectually, I've he- I'd heard of the term and I knew it meant kind of the end of your fertility. But in my absolute utter ignorance, whatever it was, it wasn't going to be happening to me because I was, you know, I was a streetwise woman. You know, I, I knew what was going on in the world. So my point is, how come, that was only five years ago, I'm 52 now, how come I had literally no idea what the menopause was about? So you're saying that you're kind of embarrassed, but, but the, we don't tell men what's, what the menopause is all about. So when I was 11, I had something called what I describe as the girl chat at school. Now, you were probably taken out to play football because um, that was what happened in my school. So the girls were herded into a room and you were told about, you know, what's going <laughs> to so happen true. to you as a young woman and terrified the bejesus out of me. I was like, oh my goodness, what? This thing is going to happen, periods and all this stuff. So anyway, at least somebody shares what potentially is coming. Um, and the biggest stressor I had at that age was, was I going to get my school, um, my French homework done on time? Um, and what was I going to wear at the school disco? And my point is how and why at the age of, so roughly from your mid-40s, a woman will go through menopause. That's within the, the normal, whatever normal age range is to go through menopause. But the shocking thing is nobody's told us as women what, what do we expect. So you've actually got this perfect storm now of women having to work full-time longer than ever before because they changed our pensions in 2010. So I'm not here to sell anyone a pension, by the way. But I was led to believe in eight years time, scarily, I'll be 60. And I was led to believe I would be able to draw a state pension. 
Um, and now I've got to work till I'm 67. And goodness, with this global pandemic, who knows what the pension age might end up as. So we've now got this perfect storm where women are having to work longer than ever before. We've also got things like gender pay gap and all of these things wrapped around, you know, diversity, inclusion, all those brilliant things that are in existence. But it's causing a perfect storm where women are having to work through this life event called menopause, where maybe they've never had to before. And through the hundreds and hundreds of women and people I've met now um, talking about menopause, I didn't even realize that in recent memory, maybe only 15, 20 years ago, for example, if you worked in the banking industry, now, now hear this, if you worked in the banking industry, some of the big banks, they would retire women at 50 like a racehorse. So if you got to live that long, you were like sent away from the workplace, you were retired because you were kind of deemed to be probably a bit old and past it. So you've never had women having to do that. Um, so it's just really astonishing. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say this and I'm going to ask you and, and the listeners for absolute and utter forgiveness. Um, because what I'm about to say is me being really and utterly and totally honest. So if you'd said to me, somebody going through the menopause, what are they like? I would have said they probably had a mobility scooter. They probably had at least one or two walking sticks. And they probably were really, really, you know, much older than me. They were 70, they were 80, they were, I don't know what they were, but in my mind's eye, they weren't like me. Mm-hmm. So how come I didn't know, as like I say, what I thought was a streetwise person, that the menopause was going to bring a whole raft of symptoms, starting with um, night terrors for me. So my, symptom, my first symptom, and again, I think that what you, what, you let, what you imagine, if you don't know, and most of us don't know, as I said earlier, is that you'll notice a difference in your periods. You'll, they'll just stop one day. I guess that's what I probably thought would happen. And that doesn't happen yeah. at all. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it, very, very rarely it might, but it, that's not, not how it happens. So my first experience of a symptom, although I didn't know it at the time, was what I'm calling night terrors. So they're not, they weren't diagnosed by a GP. That was me waking up in the night, you know, that four o'clock desolate early morning wakenings, <gasps> being gripped by, mm. you know, that terror feeling. And at the time, you know, my boss was lovely. It was me. Um, so I knew it wasn't anything to do with work. There was no pressure of, of, and, and no reason I could pinpoint why I'd be feeling like that. Um, and so it happens, you know, three or four times and then it abated and it didn't happen again. And I kind of put it, put it to one side. And then, oh my goodness, I'm going to say, I'm going to call them night sweats. Now, as a woman, I'm only ever hot when I'm on fire. So I'm always, always cold. Just saying it. Um, but no, and, and you hear about, it's probably, it is the most common symptom you hear about when it comes to menopause, you know, um, you know, hot flushes, night sweats, whatever yeah. they're called. But nobody tells you that you can't escape yourself. It's, and it's obvious when you think about it because it's an internal thing. So I was woken up one night with this internal fiery furnace that literally woke me up and I can sleep through a hurricane. Um, there's nothing really wakes me up. So I was woken up by this internal furnace, which for me would start really in my pit of my stomach and, and work its way up to the point where you're so hot, I would have to leap out of bed, uh, run around. But I'm, I'm really fortunate because extreme cases of that, can, women can sometimes have flushes that last up to an hour. That's an extreme. Yeah. But certainly, you know, one minute, two minutes, five minutes is pretty, is pretty common. Um, so as soon as it had happened, then you're really cold and then you need to wrap up. Um, and so it started that I, I was having an interrupted sleep because it would wake me up. 
Now, I'm a really sound sleeper, as I've said earlier, and my other half, him indoors, isn't. So in all seriousness, it started to cause a problem um, for us in our relationship because he would say things like, your menopause is keeping me awake all night. Well, I didn't ask for this either, do you know what I mean? And when I wasn't sleeping, he wasn't sleeping, so we're really, really both grumpy because of lack of sleep more than anything. Um, And I... Probably like lots and lots of women, you hear terrible things about HRT and the press at the time, you know, it was, it, you know, don't use HRT. So like lots of women I still speak to and I still meet, I thought, you know what I mean? I'm going to not put bad things in my body. I'm going to go down a holistic and a herbal route. And I'm going to check those things out. So I tried, you know, some sage leaf as, as, a, as a herb that's often talked about and sage oil. And it didn't touch the sides for me, didn't help at all. Um, all of the time, I was progressively struggling to sleep. That what, that's what became my most untenable symptom. I could get to sleep, but I couldn't remain asleep. So I went to the GP um, and asked for HRT, and the computer said no, because I was having a procedure and they wouldn't let me. Um, so they gave me antidepressants, which again is not uncommon. Um, doctors will often just give women antidepressants. And I wasn't depressed, yeah. I was having you know, soft flushes and couldn't sleep. Um, and any, but anyway, a side effect of some that are called SSRIs, uh, uh, four of them, um, can be if hot flushes is one of your main symptoms, it can help. And it did help me for about six months. But oh my goodness, um, I'm saying the menopause probably nearly killed me because I was driving. I used to drive where I was working at the time. was about an hour away. I was doing some contract work about an hour away from home. And like I say, I could get to sleep, but I couldn't remain asleep. Um, and my gorgeous other half bought me one of those gorgeous trackers um, you know, an Apple Watch, so I could say exactly how long I couldn't sleep for and um, a Fitbit. So I, I felt like I wasn't sleeping then, I knew I wasn't sleeping, so that didn't help. That was really pressurised, like, oh my goodness, I've only had two hours sleep. Um, and it got to a point where I was driving down the road and I thought, I, I fell asleep at the wheel. Now, I know it was only for a nanosecond, but that's, you know, that, you know, your, your head nods. Yeah. I thought, oh my goodness, I'm, this, could ki- this could kill me. Um, and it was, it was so bad, I, would, I could only drive for a maximum of half an hour before I'd have to pull over and have what I call, you know, a nana nap, a power nap, and a lay-by somewhere to try and, you know, regain some kind of level of what I felt like consciousness, because I felt so exhausted to get to where I needed to be and have to do that. And I just thought, you know what, I can't, I can't go on like this. Um, but there was really two catalysts that led me to set up this service. Um, the first one being I did a mental health first aid course over three years ago now when it was before it was probably completely the thing because it's really really popular now but I was genuinely interested to see where menopause fitted because I've been doing lots and lots of research at this point Mm. so it was a really comprehensive course it was two full days in the classroom and we got to the last half day um, and the subject matter was schizophrenia which again is a really you know, an, an important topic to, to, to know about. But I have to say the facilitator, what percentage of the population will suffer from schizophrenia at, at any time? And we, and we agreed it was probably 1%, which means from a workplace context, it means most people won't encounter somebody with that condition because it's, pre, it's, it, it's pretty rare in that respect. And I said, hang on, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, 100% of women will go through the life event known as menopause. Where's this in your mental health mm. first aid? Oh, don't cover that. And I can tell you categorically, it is still not being covered now. And that was three years ago. 
So I just couldn't, I couldn't reconcile. We're talking about mental health first aid, we're talking about well-being. Yet, 100% of women at some point in their life will go through the life event known as menopause. And the, and the, the kind of final catalyst for me was learning about um, and hearing some real horror stories about, and I'm not here to, G, you know, to GP bash because there's some incredible doctors out there and, and the health, you know, I totally love our NHS. But when it comes to the subject of menopause, there's an awful lot of ignorance um, in, 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 in a G, you know, from a GP's point of view. So I joined something called the British Menopause Society. Who knew that it existed? So I managed to spend the day with 60 doctors as a lay person. Again, it was about three years ago. Um, and the first thing that I want to ask you is how many doctors do you think spoke to me on the day? Uh, zero. Yeah, not a lot. Not, well, none, because I was one of only two non-doctors in the room. So I, I was really quite sad that I felt the professional snobbery was kind of through the roof. Um, so I, it wasn't very welcoming. So it made me sad to think about bedside manner and thinking about if, you know, I only go to the doctors when I'm unwell. I don't want to be met with some, you know, professional snobbery who doesn't want to engage with me. So that I felt quite sad about that. But the, 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 the thing that, I, that will stay with me forever is in the afternoon, there was case studies brought to the room and there was more than just two, but the two that will stick with me forever were this. So there was two women in their early 50s and the average age for menopause in the UK is noted to be 51, but, but I, dis, I dispute that and we may come on to that later. But the average age technically is 51 in the UK. So these women were both in their uh, early 50s but they were both very stoic characters. Their GPs didn't know them because they never went for coughs, colds, and sneezes. They just didn't go to doctors. But these two women, they were, they all, they were unrelated in any way. They had just happened to be in the Northeast. Um, but they felt so bad, they would go on several occasions, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, to see their GP. Until um, in the end, both doctors diagnosed these women, independently, of course, um, as going through the menopause. And I thought, you know what? Great, that's really, really good work. However, by the time they got to the doctor who was presenting the case studies, both these women were going to need palliative care because it was cancer. Mm. And I was like, oh my goodness. So what I say to the organizations and the, the, the people that I work with, and this isn't just about menopause, this is about any well-being, whether it be physical or otherwise condition. Who, I would say, who needs to know their body best of all? you do yeah. um, and you need to know what's right and wrong and good and bad for you and your body you need to get all the facts and then you need to make an informed decision on what you will do to manage you and your body um, and I'm just uh, doctors only got their guidelines for menopause um, in November 2015 really <laughs> so when is it you know what you'd expect to do wouldn't you most of us would you know if you felt unwell you didn't feel right you might dabble like I did with you know I was dabbling in you know um, black hole hush different things such, such like and then I got to a point where I thought this isn't working I need to go down a medical route and the sad thing is although GPs and the nice guidelines that they use they're in the public domain you could you, you can look at them. If you're really, really suffering from insomnia, you, you should look at them. <laughs> but they're out there for anybody to look at. But there seems to be an awful lot of ignorance in the medical community. And so when we go as, as women relying on that good, sound, solid advice, yeah. what most, most women sadly aren't getting what they need. Um, so Miss Menopause exists because I'm, I'm just not having it. 
I'm just not having the fact that we as women don't, no one's told us what to expect in menopause. We go to our GPs and they tell us nothing. So I'll tell you a story. A good friend of mine, she had just turned 50. Um, and she was starting to feel, I'm going to use the technical term, meh. She was just starting to feel, just meh, just feeling anxious for no reason, wasn't really sleeping very well. It just generally just didn't feel herself. She couldn't put a finger on it. It was just a general feeling of not feeling like herself. And this has gone on for maybe two, three, four months. So she did what I thought was a sensible thing. In the end, she went off to see a GP. And so that's great. So I said, well, what, what did the GP say in terms of, you know, yeah, you, you turned 50, you were generally feeling meh. Um, said, well, I, well, I left, I had a massive pot of sleeping tablets. That's what he gave her. It happened mm-hmm. to be a he, could have been a she. Um, and I said, well, what did he say to you about menopause? As in, you know, coming up to the average age, nothing. Yeah. Not a thing was said about menopause. And that is incredibly common. And the two, two sad things that really break my heart when it comes to meeting lots of women, you know, in, in the workplaces, and that he had us on a practically daily basis is, number one, I think I've got early onset Alzheimer's. Because the main symptom that I've found isn't um, hot sweats, night sweats, hot flushes, whatever you want to call them, although that's the most common thing you hear about. The most common, the top two symptoms that I've come across, and I haven't done empirical research, but I've got over 3,000 women in a growing Facebook group, and every six months I poll them and say, what's your, what's your top three symptoms, you know, in order of how, how bad they're making you feel? Um, and the top two symptoms have been, um, they've just swapped over, so... Number one, six months ago, was anxiety and brain fog. And now it's brain fog, anxiety. So I'm saying that they're kind of, they're in the top two. So you've just got women not associating the, the total plummet and decline in, in hormones, which are powerful, powerful things that drive women as, as women. Because some women, by the time they're finished menopause, as in their post-menopause and their periods are finished, some women apparently can be as low as 1% of those hormones and they're not coming back. Yeah. They've gone. That's it. I mean, in terms of, um, you know, observing from, from my perspective, it's, it's, there's so much silence around it. Right. And, and I know from, you know, my work around sort of suicide prevention, again, there's silence around yeah. that. It's like, let's brush it under the carpet. Let's not talk about it. And of course yeah. this is different, but how much, how much of that silence do you think impacts just, just how, in general, women deal with, with the menopause? Well, I think, I think it's probably a bit of a cultural thing, as in this whole, especially in the UK, this whole stiff upper lip thing. So if you were to ever yeah. ask your mother or your grandmother, they, they invariably would say things like, well, we just got on with it, you know. Yeah. Um, and my grandmother, who would have been 100, she's not with us now. And I used to hear, and this is up in the northeast of England, I don't know what happened elsewhere in the country, but any time I'd hear my grandmother talk about her friends, they were all bad with their nerves. They all had, seemed to have to, oh, Mary, she's bad with her nerves. And I truly think that was probably because of things like menopause. And at that time, you know, in the 50s, 60s, women were just given Valium. Um, so my grandma ended up probably being a Valium addict through no fault of her own because they were just dishing out that type of, you know, medication. Um, and then my mother worked part-time um, when she was going through her menopause. So what I'm saying is I would defy my mother or grandmother if she was still around to do what women are being asked to do today. 
So you've got women who are the main breadwinners, the only breadwinners, you know, single parent families, you know, having to work, you know, wanting to work, having to work. There's this whole different demographic now and mix. Um, you know, and, and I look at me now when I'm 52 and I think, when I look at pictures again of my grandparents, my grandmothers, they look really, really old when they were my age. In mm. fact, I remember thinking I'd be dead by the time I was 50 when my grandma was having a chat and I must have said, oh, how old are you, grandma? And she said, oh, I'm 50. I thought, oh, that's really, really old. You know, and I feel incredibly well, alive, vibrant. And I feel I've got, you know, another at least 30 years of me yet. So that's the thing. Um, you know, from a workplace point of view, the biggest risk that businesses have got, and I've never seen this with any other subject, because of our ignorance as women and because nobody's opened the opportunity to talk about it in most organisations, out of ignorance, women believe they are no longer capable. So they're thinking, I've now got earlier onset Alzheimer's. I've diagnosed myself because if you can imagine how terrifying it is, that especially if you've done the job that you've done for you know, several years, two or three, you feel very confident and competent at it. Um, you've been doing it really well. You've enjoyed it. Um, and then comes a point where maybe you're talking to a colleague. It might be a customer. could be anything. And you can't remember the word for pen, for yeah. phone, for... And it literally... The, the word's just gone. So for me, I had a situation. Um, it's, a, it's about 18 months ago now. And this, this, this laptop I've had with the same password, I've had it for about five years. And I came to open it up. Uh, and I couldn't remember the password. I've used yeah. it every day. I've logged on and off, on and off several times a day. But yes, I could not. I was shutting it up. You know, so my laptop was open. And it, honestly, it wouldn't, it wouldn't come to me. And I had to literally put it to one side. Luckily, I could do that and come back to it the next day. And it was there the next day. Yeah. But, but it was a Do you think there's a conversation that we need to have around the shame of it as well in terms of... Again, like you've said, menopause typically happens as you get older, right? So is there a real shame for women to be open about that? Of, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going through the menopause at the moment because they're worried that people would be like, oh, well, you're old then. Or, you know, oh, you know, it's almost that, that shame element as well. I think, I think, yes, but I think probably not so much. I think when you give women the opportunity to talk because what unlike you guys who we know the biggest risk to your your mental health at the age of 45 is suicide because you don't bloody talk yeah. well, well yeah. women we're, we're, we're the opposite so I would say men and women are, need to meet in the middle but we're coming from a totally different direction we're coming from opposite directions so when you give us the opportunity as women to understand and learn what's coming or learn what this subject matter is about 99.9% .9 of humans in the world, I believe, are good eggs and good people. And then we'll go off and we'll help, we'll manage our own health and well-being because, ah, right, ah, it could be that. But I think, it, I truly believe it's just the, the ignorance. It's like being in plain sight. So, you know, I rock up just quite, some quite big organisations who, you know, we've got mental health, well-being covered. Look at us, look at what we're doing. And I'll go menopause and they go, what? And I'm like, it's 100%. So I just think for whatever reason, maybe because it's women's health, I don't know, I'm, you know, I'm not qualified to make, make that, that, that bold statement, but I don't know. But I found that as soon as you allow women um, to, to know it's okay to talk about that subject and learn about it more importantly, we're very, very good then at supporting each other. 
Um, you know, and lots of the, the groups of women I've worked with over the years, they form like their own little working groups in their organizations. They've got a place to hang out in my Facebook page if their organization isn't allowing that to happen. And it's just that general chit chat and banter that, oh, this is happening to me, this is happening to you. And because the real, real difficulty, Paul, is you, one size doesn't fit all. 100%. Like most things. So you can't say all Sharon's born in 1968 with blonde hair um, will manage them. Their symptoms will be like this. It will last this long and you will treat it like this. So I've met twin sisters. I've met, you know, sisters. And there's a bit of a myth and a legend where you'll hear, you would say, oh, Pierre, I'll use the Geordie word. They would say, oh, you'll be like your mom. You'll have the same sort of experience as your mom, as your mother. And mostly I've found, again, it's not empirical research, but mostly I've found through the hundreds of women I've spoken to, that isn't true. Yeah, it's just because job. your mother had this experience of, of whatever. It is, doesn't then present as a carbon copy. What you might find is early menopause might run more genetically in your family, for example. But the experience and the symptoms you might be subject to could be entirely different. Yeah. And, and yeah, I know you've touched on it there, but you know, the big question that I've got is as, as an employer, like how do, how do we create the conversation around it? How do we support the women that are going through it in our organization? I know you mentioned about getting them together, encouraging them to talk, encouraging them to create their support groups. Is there anything else that you'd recommend employers to do? Um, well, the, the, the absolute first point of call is to educate yourselves as employers about the subject yeah. because it's a it's a it's a well-being and mental health so if you say you've got it covered and you're not talking about menopause i'm here to tell you, you haven't so it's educate 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 um and then because I, because i'm hot on accountability so the woman that i work with so i, I go to organizations and i'll educate line managers yeah. and i'll educate working women but my my point to all organizations is it should be anybody in that room because everybody awesome is impacted by menopause. So if you love, know, and work with women, although be physically and mentally I might be going through menopause, I can tell you now, you somehow, if you're in my orbit, you will somehow be impacted. Exactly, and that was the other kind of question that I was gonna ask as well, is like, I'm, I'm thinking back to my mum, you know, my mum, my mum's always been very open with us, right? You know, she always shares the, the story of um, someone that she used to work with because it's me, my brother, you know, two, right. my mom had two boys, you know, okay. my dad when he, was, when he was alive. And um, she said, someone who she used to work with had two boys as well. And she went up to my mum, she said, you know, what, what do you do with your, you know, your tampons? Uh-huh. Mum was like, you know, I just, just leave them out. You know, it's, it's yeah. fine. And, 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 and many occasions, you know, even though it was very awkward on, on the first time I did it, you know, <laughs> if I was going shopping, my mom would be like, Hey, can you get me some tampons? And I, I would go and get them. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I did the same for my wife. Right. And, and my mom always instilled that in us that, you know, let's not make it awkward. It's just, it's just natural. And, and my wife does the same with my two yeah. boys as well. Um, but I'm just thinking about her experience with menopause. Right. And um, I remember her going through it but I just never, never took any notice. Right. And almost there's, there's an uneasy feeling in me right now as you're <laughs> talking about this, because I just didn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't for me to, I didn't feel like it was for me to deal with because one, I didn't think it was that impactful because I just thought it was something that naturally happened. And then all of a sudden, as you say, you stop having periods and, and it's, yeah. you know, you've gone through it. Um, yeah. And then secondly, I'm like, obviously now, like you said, every, every person should be equipped of how do you support or, you know, how do you know how to approach it if someone who you work with or your wife or your mom or your sister, whoever, 
is um is going through it. So, what kind of advice can you give to to the ignorant people like me who, who just just ignore it? Well, I and because I work in that you know organisational space, it's encouraging. There's there's one phrase that I really really dislike when when I'll be talking to organisations and they'll say, "Right, Sharon, we're going to run a session for women," and I'll say, but "What about the men?" And they'll yeah. say, they'll use this phrase, which is women of a certain age. I'm like, what does that even mean? I know you touched upon language um, when you were talking last week. Yeah. It's that whole women of a certain age. I'm like, well, what does that exactly mean to you? Because one in a hundred women under the age of 40 will go through menopause. It's yeah. so much more common than you could ever, than I ever, ever imagined as a woman. I never even, like you say, you feel bad about your, 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 your mom. I feel bad for all of the women who I've never even thought about through things like medical menopause, where you have body parts removed like hysterectomies um, and and chemical menopause to, you know, cancer treatments and stuff like that. And those women are plunged into menopause literally overnight. Um, So it's, it's about being brave and courageous enough to say, um, well, I'll tell, I'll tell you, I, I run an icebreaker and my icebreaker is this. I get, I get, Groups of people, I don't want to know the outcome, but my icebreaker is this. Name as many words for vaginas in 60 seconds as possible. <laughs> because if we can't talk about a body part, like an adult, and we, I don't know any woman who calls their bits their vagina, I've got a Mary, a fairy, whatever. It's like, but this is real life, do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. This is real life, so I just want to sweep away all that. And it makes it awkward as well, like you say, if it's all so prim and proper sometimes. Yeah. And but some organizations, I thought one woman had had a heart attack because one of my core values is honesty. So I'm always going to say, oh, this is me. This is my style. I'm about engagement and phone and, and normalizing the conversation. And this person at the end of the phone went deadly silent. And I thought, and I, thought I said, hello. And it was, it was a woman. She said, you could not say that here in our organization. I said, but every woman has got one. And she was like, well, it would, would just be impossible. And I think that, that is the problem. It's about individuals with their own hang-ups. It's a bit like, you know, a carry-on for them. I'm showing my age now. It's a bit like that. Ooh, matron. Ooh, let's make it. Ooh, titty not. It's like, we need to be adult about it. We need to just call it out. It's what happens. Women bleed every month till, till they come to menopause. And that's what happens to women. So we're very, very, it's partly down to us as well, um, Paul. We are very, very discreet creatures and we don't share what happens. So I was running a session um, before lockdown um, and there was, it was more guys in the room, which I was delighted about. And I was, uh, I, I used case studies and I was talking about a case study where a woman had had a, a flood. And so I said, and this lady had had a flood and, and this guy had just simply, he honestly leaned forward in his chair. And he said, Sharon, can I just ask you, what is a flood? And I said, right, I'm just going to say it how it is. I went, it's when your period is so heavy, it can be running down your legs. And he was like, you are joking me. And, and most women in their life will have, will have had an episode by the time they've gone through their menopause. They, it's likely that they'll have had at least one episode yeah. like in their lifetime. Well, very discreet. We wouldn't come out. I wouldn't come home and tell, you know, my, my other half. I wouldn't say, oh, this happened. I would have just dealt with it and got on with it. And you would never know. So it's partly down to us as well that we don't share those types of things. But what was really lovely at the end, he came up to me and he, and he shook my hand and he said, Sharon, I am going home to buy my wife 
the biggest bunch of flowers because I literally <laughs> had no idea. And some of the most profound feedback I feel I've had has been from men. Um, yeah, of course. Two, two men, two men independently in different organizations, after they'd been to one of my sessions, emailed me to say they, they thought it had, learning about this subject matter it was probably going to help to save their marriage. Yeah, exactly. It's um, just, because it's just like you said, it's the same as what we preach about, you know, mental health. And it's all the same. It's, it's education, you know, like I, I speak about, you know, I didn't ever feel like suicide would impact me because the lack of education, you know, I didn't, yeah. I, I sometimes said stuff wrong about certain mental illnesses because it was education. Same with when my mum was going through the menopause, right? You know, I just called myself ignorant a minute ago. Like, I wasn't ignorant. I was just uneducated. I just thought my yeah. mum was just going to go through it. And oh, well, it that's, what I, that's what I thought. Exactly. So it's like, it's purely education. And, and as you say, I think it's so key that, that men as well learn about this because like, even now, you know, you know, my, you know, if I've got to support my wife for it, when, when we, when I have to, it's, yeah. it's like, I need to know about it now rather than, Oh my God, what was going on? <laughs> what do I do? Um, why is she acting like that? And she doesn't know either. So yeah. um, like you said, education is so key. Um, in terms of like other things that employers can do, is there anything that else that you've, you've seen that's been effective? Yeah, I mean, what I say, and you can go down, it depends on your company culture, doesn't it? So you might be, you know, yeah. processes, procedures, you know, documents. If you're in that sort of organisation, then yes, you can write a beautiful policy and have beautiful documents. But as I say, wearing my coaching and leadership hat, a document is only as good as the person who uses it. Yeah. and administers it so um i'm much what i say to clients is look um what's great about the menopause is i believe you will already have beautiful policies and procedures which are already written you'll already have you'll have them for things like pregnancy so i'll tell yeah. you a story i rocked up to this organization a couple of years ago now and i was walking through the office and this woman ran over she went sharon she went, oh, i think you're here to talk about menopause I went, oh yeah i am she went i'm going through the menopause i went okay she went, so I, I've asked for a fan. I said, right, because small reasonable adjustments. So I said, well, that sounds completely reasonable to me. She said, but I can't have one because you can only have one if you're pregnant. I was like, right. So she said, well, I've, I've asked if I can bring my own in. No, because it's not pat tested. And it's just the, it's just the madness. Yeah. You need to step back and say, so, you know, when we talk about diverse inclusion, because it kind of falls in all of that and well-being, you just have to take, I would say, the best leaders managing the grey anyway. So you look at the human, you might have the rules or the, you know, the frameworks to wrap around a human, but you hear their story and you decide what's the best course of action. Um, so like I say, um, you know, if you, if you declare that you're, you're, you're pregnant, you probably get a car, you know, in the olden days when you could go in the office, you probably get a car parking space near the door, you might be able to work flexibly, you might have been able to go on different appointments. It's just the same pr process. It just happens to be this title of menopause. So you have to care enough to want to find out from your other your human in front of you what's their story. Then you have to listen, and then you have to decide between you what's the course of action. But because I'm, I'm, I'm really tough, I'm all about accountability. So what I say to organisations you shouldn't have a bit like the nanny state of an organization where I tend to find public sector can be a bit like this. Like, oh, we have to give everything to all of our people. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. you need to ask the person. You might say, well, what I can do for you is this, but you need to have in your kit bag. So I'd be saying, Sharon, what are you, what are you doing to manage your menopause? Yeah. And what I find really fascinating is a lot of organizations and a lot of leaders 
never even think to ask that question. It's almost okay. like they're being the parent and they have to, you know, I have, what I, I have to give to you, Sharon, I have to give you all of these things. I'm like, yes, if I need them, but I may not even need them. But if I do, I just want to know that you're there and, and that they can be drawn upon. But neither should I, as the woman going through menopause, should be able to beat you over the head as, a, as an employer with, I am going through the menopause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. contract, you know, 50-50. Like everything. Yeah, it's almost like the support's there, but it's still up to you to be yeah. able to utilize that support. And I think what you were saying was really true as well. I was just thinking it's like organizations will put everyone, not every organization, right? I'm generalizing here, but everyone in boxes. <laughs> so your, your maternity or your your employees that are pregnant all right i've just had your employees that are pregnant and then you've got your employees that have got kids and then you've got you know your employees that work from home you know your male employees or whatever um and it's like even if you look at that box of parents right some people love coming to work because that's what drives them and and it's it makes them a better parent because they can do that and then come home and be a parent other people really like doing the school run in the mornings right and they like dropping their kids in before they go to to work so it's almost like you still can't put you can't have the menopause box right where like everyone woman who's dealing with menopause is here because as you said before it's so individual isn't it and you have to tailor it to yeah everyone. absolutely so i always say you what you'd really like to be as a woman you'd like a ticket for what i've deemed the 20 percent club because 20 percent of women will have little or no symptoms mm. and so the, I've only met a handful of those women, like, wasn't me, I was, I was in the 80% club, like most women. Um, but women who have maybe been in that 20% club and are in positions of authority in organisations can be quite dangerous because they make the generalisation of, well, I was yeah. fine, so, you know, I don't know what all the fuss is about. Um, you know, but, you know, I haven't got children, it was my choice, I knew I didn't want to be a parent. So, you know, when you're not a parent and you think, well, you know, I would like to have remote work, you know, I'd like to have flexible hours, well, you know, is it look after the children? Well, I haven't got children, but I might want to, you know, I might want to walk on the beach or I might want to write a book yeah, yeah. or, you know, why do I have to justify what those reasons are? But, you know, I tell a story about, um, and again, this is, this is the risk of businesses. Women are leaving out of ignorance. And I keep saying ignorance can no longer be an excuse. But I met a woman and she didn't know she was going through the menopause herself, but we know that women are having children later in life. You know, we know that to be a factual thing. So she was a, an older mother. Um, she'd worked at her organization. She, and the clue to her boss was she'd had 10 years of exemplary service. That was the clue. If, if, if the boss knew, knew that their, 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 their person. Um, and so she started, to, as she was running around, getting the kids ready for school, to take them on the school run. And she was getting really, really hot. So first of all, she thought she had a terrible bug. Then she thought she had a terrible affliction and then she really didn't know. But what, how she coped with it was she would get so hot and some, some women get so hot and sweaty, they're having to change their clothes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so she was, she was having to, to change her clothes. And a couple of times it made her late. Now, it's always been about the quality of conversation, whatever the subject matter. So I'm being, I'm being really ridiculous because it didn't, it didn't quite happen like this, but you get the gist of it was her boss was kind of, uh, well, this is unacceptable. You're being late. Don't do it again. They didn't take the time to find out what might be happening. They didn't explore. And ultimately, that person who'd been 10, year, 10 years in that organization doing a great job, no issues, loved it, has ended up leaving because she yeah. felt that it was untenable for her to be kind of put down a, a, a disciplinary route, potentially, because of a few issues of lateness, of which she didn't really understand what was happening. And it happened to be, hey, it could have been, could have been she, it happened to be their boss. 
Yeah. Um, and, and this is what I keep saying. It's the whole, it's the ignorance that's the issue. So if, if we as leaders know about that subject matter, and if, if we as employees, whether we're men or women, know about that subject matter, then we'll figure it out. Because as, an, as, a, as, a, as a leader, we'll have a great kit bag of stuff that already exists. All I need to do is look in the kit bag and draw out the appropriate thing, whether that's... So for that, that woman there, if her boss had sat her down and understood the, the problem, they might have said, right, again, we're talking about when you could go into the office. Um, I want you to work half an hour. I'll come in at 9.30 instead of 9, if that was possible. And we'll look at that every three months on a rolling basis to see if things yeah. from your end. Um, but what are you going to do now, Sharon, to explore what's happening and how are you going to manage it from your end? What I can do is this. What are you going to do? That didn't happen in that. That one's left. The talent is at the door. It's like you say, it's just that open conversation that we need to start yeah. having, you know, and it's, it's so true. Um, conscious of time and you've learned, you've taught me a lot, right? And I feel <laughs> educated and I feel like I want to know more. So I think the last question that I would um, ask you, if, if obviously if an employer is listening to this, you know, HR professional, business leader, whoever, um, and, and they've heard, you know, education is key. Um, where, where should they start? Where should they start? Well, there are, well, there's, there's tons of stuff now. What's really good is there's tons of stuff on the internet. So you could do it yourself. Um, you know, you could learn about that stuff. But I've, what I've found is being an independent allows the conversation to just be the conversation. Well, I think when you're internal, you might shy away from, you know, remember I'll talk yeah. about the diners and just, you know, call it out. So imagine if you're the HR professional and you're dealing with your colleagues or senior people, you might want to hide away from some of those things so I guess you've got to just make sure and check and challenge have you got the resources and the ability to say what needs to be said so CIPD for example have got some great resources um mm. you know HR professionals can look at there's quite a lot of stuff on the internet but but like anything it's what do you want to achieve so what is good you know what you're aiming for what is good meant to look like here in this organization and work backwards from that yeah and, and really, you know, discover what it is. So what's the, what's the problem you're trying to solve? And then go out and, and, and see what options are available to you. Um, because like we said, one size doesn't fit all. So my style and my approach isn't going to fit with a more formal in, environment where we can't talk about vaginas at all. That's never going to work. Do you know what I mean? So it's about finding, you know, the right solution for your organization, but being really clear on, on what you're trying to solve before you go out and either spend money or spend yeah, I love that. time. Yeah, I love that. Because otherwise it's just almost a tick box again, isn't it? Like, like, we've, done something, we've done something for the menopause. Yeah, we've done that, you know, tick. And, yeah. and it isn't changing that conversation, as you say. Um, Sharon, so much, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, where can people find out a little bit more about you? Um, yeah, well, I've got a website, Miss Menopause. You can find me there. I've got a Facebook page, which is sadly at the moment, it's just for women. So there's 3000 women and the page goes every day. But you can find me on Twitter, um, you know, Miss Menopause on Twitter. So I'm, 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 I'm round and about. So that'll be good. Sweet. And we'll, if, we link, if you listen to this on the podcast, we'll link up to them. So you'll be able to see. Um, but yeah, from me and, and everyone at Every Mind, Sharon, thank you so much for taking the time out, sharing your knowledge. Um, I'm going to go and ask my wife that question and see how many <laughs> names of vaginas we can come up with in 60 seconds, is it? It's the gift that keeps on giving. That's all I'll say. There we go. So I'm going to try that one. But yeah, no, I think it's so important, like you say, and especially as we said, it's not just for women over a certain age to, to educate themselves on this. It's for everyone. Um, and hopefully with what you're doing, we can continue to push that.
Thanks for cool. the opportunity. All right. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.